Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of Beginnings, the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, and the book of Genesis in chapter number 6. The book of Genesis and chapter number 6. We're continuing with our series, still at the very beginning part of it, dealing with the lineage of Christ. And we're tracing through the entire Word of God, the Old Testament especially, the lineage of Jesus Christ starting from Adam and tracing all 64 generations from Adam to Jesus Christ. And as we can, we're going to hit each one of them and do a character study to be able to study their life, understanding that every life teaches a message. And with this, as we study the Bible through its characters, to study the Bible through the lineage of Jesus Christ, not only do we learn more about these individuals, we learn a little bit more of the building blocks to give us the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, watching as God answered prayer and guided these people through history and the lineage. But we also find that in a, in a passive way, it is a very interesting way to learn Bible history. Because as we go through, we see each one of these folks inside of their context of the world around them and see how the world changes and progresses as time goes on. And so now we find our way to the book of Genesis and chapter number 6. The book of Genesis chapter number 6. And notice with me if you don't mind starting at verse number 1. Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 1. It came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth. And the daughters were born unto them. That the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair. And they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh. Is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men, that they bare children to them, and the same became mighty men which were of old men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man from whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. 
for all the flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shall thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without and without with pitch. And this shall be the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be three hundred cubits, the breadth of it fifty cubits, and the height of it thirty cubits. And a window shall make <laughs> to the ark, in a cubit shall thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shall thou set in the side thereof, with lower second and third stories shall thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under the heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, that thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, Two of every sort shall thou bring into the ark to bring them alive with thee. They shall be male and female of fowls after their kind and of the cattle of their kind and of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for thee, or for food for thee, and for them. And thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Genesis, chapter number 6? The book of Genesis, chapter 6, and notice with me in verse number 8. But Noah found grace... In the eyes of the Lord. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And with that we'll make that our title. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And with that let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you, Lord, I'm very conscious of my need of you. That my mind just has so many things jumbling through it. And trying to sort through. Lord, I'm asking that you would set all that aside for the purpose that my mind can singularly be upon you even now. That you would settle me down, settle my heart, settle my mind, settle my spirit for the purpose that I could be used as an instrument that you would have, not have to fight me in my flesh, but Lord, that you could get your work accomplished through me as an instrument uninhibited. So the best I know how, I surrender myself now. Give you my thoughts, my mind, my lips, my words, my ambitions, my goals, my desires. You take it all. Just fill me with your spirit. And that you get your work accomplished today through your precious word. Because we can trust you. That you would draw people close to you and let you see the God that you are. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now one of the things as people examine the book of Genesis... So often they look at the book of Genesis as a book of stories. They look at it almost as like a collection of mythologies. They look at it sometimes as a fiction that's put together to try to teach us some quote-unquote lesson about God. 
Well, may I also tell you that the book of Genesis is not a mythology. It's not a fictional storybook. It's not Aesop's fables. It's not a Greek mythology. It is indeed history. These are the events that occurred. And that God had them recorded so we can understand what had happened. And the things that have surrounded it. Now as we had already hit before. We had Adam and Eve. Adam was the first man. Adam was, or Eve was the first woman. And we had taken some time to examine them. We had also taken some time to look at Seth's godly line. But we also examined Cain's ungodly line. And saw that during this time there was no punishment for crimes. So can you imagine living in a society where people don't die and grow old until they're 800, 900 years old. Imagine not only a society, but there's no rules, there's no uh, government, there's no institution to stop evildoers. And so people are allowed to do whatever they want. And so you enter into a society now that is corrupt, evil, selfish, and it is horrible. And this is part of the day that, Mo, that Noah now lives in. That's the first thing we want to adjust or to address here is dealing with the idea of the day of Noah. The day of Noah. As we start off in Genesis chapter 6, we come to a very important passage that is often misinterpreted because of people's view of spiritual things. But we want to take the Bible into the context. And so if you don't mind, let's hit this controversial passage and make sure that we have a clear understanding of it. Notice with me in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth. All right, so here's the context, we have men begin to multiply on the face of the earth. Now remember, you can never just take a Bible passage and all by itself. You have to look at the context. So the chapter before that, chapter 5, we see the genealogy, the tracing of Seth's godly line. We look at the chapter before, we see in Genesis chapter number 4, Cain's ungodly line. And so with that is the context. They're not separate, but in fact, they flow into Genesis chapter 6. We have the summary of the two chapters of Genesis chapter 4, Genesis chapter 5, wrapped up in this one verse, Genesis 6.1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth. The daughters were born unto them. So what we have here is this continuation. The population is multiplying. Seth's line multiplying. Cain's line multiplying. And we can see the effects of it throughout the earth starting in Genesis chapter number 4. It's the context. So notice with me in Genesis chapter 6 verse 2. And the sons of God saw the daughters of men and that they were fair, and took of them wives, which they all chose. Now here, some people get the misunderstanding. Now we know that in the book of Job, sometimes it refers to angels as the sons of God. However, that's not always the case. In this case here, following the context, we already have two separated lines. We have Cain's ungodly line, Genesis chapter 4. We have God's Godly line found in Genesis chapter number 5 that went through Seth. We know that in the New Testament, it talks about all those that have accepted Christ, believing God's promises, are called the sons of God. 
So here we just simply have the people who made a decision to follow after God that is found in Genesis chapter number 5. So the sons of God, may we say, the lineage of Seth, saw the daughters of men, the lineage of Cain, that they were fair, and they, the lineage of Seth, took upon them the wives of all which they choose. So in Genesis chapter 4, there's a clear uh, separation, Cain's line. And Genesis chapter number 5, we have a clear separation, Seth's godly line. Genesis chapter 6, we see those two lineages cross. And now there's no longer a distinction between the followers of God and those who are not following God. We have here, the dis- there's no longer a separation that People who are following God are marrying people who are not following God. And with this, there's always going to have disastrous results. Verse number three. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. For he, is also, uh, for he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. Now notice nothing about angels is said. The context, God's looking at men and saying, look, now they're not even trying to be separate. They're all mixed together. There's no one who's choosing to live for me. I'm looking at this whole lineage here and it's all mankind together that is decided they don't want to live for me. I'm stuck. Uh, that's what I see. God is looking down. Verse number three. Verse number four. There were giants in the earth in those days. Now don't let you throw this off. You know why it says there were giants in the earth in that day? Because there were giants in the earth in this day. Remember that before this, there is a canopy of water that is surrounding the earth that is allowing things to grow bigger. Most people before this time were 11 feet tall. Is that more giant than us? Absolutely. And so, you know why it says there were giants in those days? Because there were giants in those days. It was not an effect of two lineages crossing. It is a statement of fact describing that this is what we had there. People were larger. They were giant. It's a statement of fact. If you want more on this, you can look at some of the things in the creation seminar that we've done before. But there were giants in those days. And also after that, so... Also, in addition, not only were there giants in the days, but the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bare children with them. The same became mighty men, which were old men of renown. Now, I want to pause here. There's a teaching here that there are angels that have come down, and they decided to have relations with men. The problem with that is that angels in the Bible are always in the masculine case. Second of all, Angels, according to Jesus Christ, and he would know, cannot have children. So, the Bible is not going to contradict Jesus. So, either Jesus knew about this, or these were not angels. So, we have the understanding that in the context, it's Seth's godly line that is mixing with Um, Cain's ungodly line. By the way, God always makes a big deal when there's a lack of separation between God's people and the world. All throughout the Bible, read 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. Read all throughout the Bible where it talks about there's not a lack of separation. This is one of the things that God is putting judgment that God's people are no longer separate from among them. The Bible says there should be a separation And so as a result, you have men who are becoming mighty men of old, 
men of renown. Yeah, there's going to be some powerful people because man can get things accomplished. Again, see our previous message that we did on Wednesday night about Cain's ungodly line and see all the things that man was able to get accomplished. And that was true. Lots of things to get accomplished. So notice as we go on, God gives a condemnation from the lack of separation. But notice more description of the world. Verse number 5. And God saw the wickedness of man. So let's look at this description. It is a day of wickedness. Verses 1 through 4, it's a day of impurity. Verse number 5, it's a day of wickedness. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that the every imagination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. It was a day of impurity. It was a day of wickedness. It was a day of wicked imaginations. The people had, the way that they thought was wicked and evil. Verse number 6, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man who have I'm created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creepeth thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I made them. Verse number, um, notice with me if you don't mind, in verse number 11. And the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled of violence. So the Bible says that in Noah's day, it was a day of impurity. It was a day of wickedness. It was a day of wicked imagination. It was a day of violence. Notice what else the Bible said. Notice in verse number 12. And God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. It was a day of flesh corrupting in its own way. So as the Bible gives a description, it's already talked about. It's a place where people could commit murders and not be punished. That they could do whatever they feel is right and they won't get punished. There's no consequences. And what happens when man is left alone and there's no consequences? He gets worse. He does not get better. And so things are getting worse. Things are falling apart. God's at the place where even his people won't make a stand and they won't live right. And so God says, I'm done. I'm done. And so God says, I'm going to destroy all creatures from the face of the earth. Notice again in verse number six. And it, the situation, repented the Lord, and he, God, had made, that God had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Notice the emotion there. It broke God's heart to look at God's creation. Why did God create man in the first place? To have fellowship with him. Now, what breaks fellowship? Sin. And now he's looking at a world. Here is people he created for the purpose of fellowshipping with him. And nobody wants to spend time with him. If you could imagine God being so lonely and so brokenhearted. If you could uh, uh, allow me to bring it down to a base statement. Will someone hang out with me? Does anybody want to spend time with me? I made you all to spend time with me. And it broke his heart that nobody wanted, again, forgive the term, hang out with God. I made all of you to hang out with me. And everybody went to go hang out with someone else other than God. No wonder it broke God's heart. This is the scenario that we found it. So God says, I'm going to restart and we're going to do things differently. 
Verse number 7. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I made them. So God says, all right, I'm going to destroy. I'm going to set things up. I'm going to redo things. And God says, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to send a flood and I'm going to destroy everything. And scientists who have studied these things said there was about 52 million people living on this earth at this time. And the Genesis flood ended up killing the 52 million people. That's a lot. But can you imagine 52 million people in this earth and only one person wanted to spend time with God? And verse number 8, we see this, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Only one. One out of 52 million. That's not a lot of odds, is it? One person out of all those people. So with this, we could see not only where, <laughs> how things were in Noah's day, but we could also see God's instruction about the flood and the ark. So God pulls aside Noah and begins to instruct on him. Notice with me in verse number 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man. When you see this idea of just man, it carries the idea that he was someone justified before God. He was someone who was right with God. Noah was a just man and perfect, carrying the idea of complete or whole, blameless, um, without accusation. You couldn't grab a hold of something. He was a just man and perfect in his generations. But notice this, and Noah walked with God. Again, the book of Amos says, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? Now remember, God doesn't come down to us. We have to come to him and that we have to agree to his terms, his thoughts, his mind. And Noah had walked with God and had an intimate relationship with him. So God says, all right, Noah, I'm going to give you some instructions. I'm going to talk about the flood. It's going to be destroyed. But then notice with me in verse number 14. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Could you imagine? God says, all right, Noah, I'm going to destroy the earth. I'm going to bring, I want you to build an ark. Cool, I'll do that. What's an ark? It's a boat. All right, why? Because I'm going to make it rain. What is rain? I'm going to send water from the sky. Now that's important because at this time, water had never come from the sky. It had never rained. The Bible had spoken, uh, sp spoken of it that it had never rained ever before. Um, we'll get into that in just a second. But God says, I want you to build an ark. And this is the dimensions I want you to build it. And then he talks about that it needs to be two stories. It's made out of gopher wood, covered in pitch. There was room for families, rooms for animals, room for supplies. Excuse me, three levels, a door, a window. Um, in there, it talks about cubits. An ancient cubit, uh, a normal cubit, a standard cubit, is from the point of your elbow to the top of your finger. For an average person, that would be 18 inches. For this, they would use what was called the royal cubit. And the royal cubit was about 22 and a half inches long. That would make the ark 562 feet long by 92, or 93 feet wide and 56 um, feet high. So pretty big boat. It'd be equivalent to the storage space of 1,000 freight cars. It'd be the size of a modern day ocean liner. And so Noah had built this big boat 
And during the time God had given him instructions, his three children were born during that time. So Noah was given the instructions. He didn't have kids yet. And so the kids had grown up all of their life with their daddy Noah working on the ark, building it. Can you imagine them growing up with their friends? Why is your dad building that big structure on that hill? Well, my dad says that one day water is going to come from the sky. Your dad's crazy. They grew up with that. And they had to make a choice on their own to still serve their, still work with their dad or go to the side of the world. And one of the greatest things that Noah ever did was raise his kids to believe in God's promises and to serve and to work alongside with him. And we could see things that God did. Notice with me in um, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 22. We could see here Noah's faith. We could see in uh, chapter 6 verse 22. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him. So did he. What we find here is obedience is a test of a person's faith. A person could say I have belief. I have faith. But if they truly believe it would be backed up by obedience. Did we believe that Noah believed that God said water is going to come from the sky? Yes. How do we know he believed God? Because he obeyed in building the ark. He was obedient. Notice again as it says about his obedience. um, It says in the book of Hebrews chapter number 11. Turn there really quick with me. We're coming back to Genesis. But Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse number 7. Hebrews 11 verse 7. It says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So again, he had faith. How do we know? Because he obeyed. Obedience was a a test of a person's faith. And then he encouraged others to obey. The Bible speaks about in the book of 2 Peter chapter number 2. That Noah was a preacher of righteousness. What does that mean? He was telling people. Why are you building this ark? Because God said he is going to bring destruction upon this earth. And if you were wise you would believe God's promise. And get on the ark when it is time. God is going to destroy everything on this earth except for what is in the ark. This is the only way that you could be saved from the destruction yet to come. And the people had to make a choice. Noah spent his time not only building the ark, but also preaching to the world around him that judgment was to come and that they needed to trust in God's promises. How long did he preach this message? The Bible talks about for 120 years. For 120 years it took him to build the ark. Why did God let him take that long? Well, first of all, he didn't have cranes and construction crew. He had him and his three boys. But also, it was for the purpose of allowing people as much of a chance to respond to God's word as possible. More people have the opportunity to hear God's word. Some people say, why doesn't God just come back now? Well, because God is waiting for more people to come to know Christ as a Savior. Now is the time for us to witness and be involved. Now is the time for us to be preachers of of righteousness, understanding that judgment is coming. The only way that people can be delivered, saved from the punishment they owed God is to trust God as their Savior. 
and to believe in God's promises of how they could be saved. Well, as the account goes on, we can see the rain finally comes. An interesting phrase is mentioned in chapter 7 and verse 1. Genesis chapter 7 and verse 1. And God said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteousness before me in this generation. Now we can see this same phraseology used a little bit later. But you know what God said? He said, come in to the ark. Now if you're using the idea of come into the ark, then we also understand where is God when he says that? He's in the ark. You come into the ark. You come here because it's salvation is found in me. You come into the ark. Well, we know that as the rains came, that God had directed to bring two animals of every sort. By the way, of the idea of sort means the idea of uh, every kind. So he didn't bring every species of dogs. He brought a dog kind. He didn't bring all the different cats. He brought a cat kind. And the same thing. So he didn't have to bring every species. He brought one of every kind. In addition, verse number 17, uh, Genesis 6, 17. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of of life. Once again, as he goes through in Genesis chapter 7, he puts us in here. He did not have to bring in anything that did not have the breath of life, meaning the breath of life is those that had air in their lungs. So did he have to bring fish? No, they breathe through gills. Did he have to bring bugs? No, bugs breathe through their skin. So the only thing he had to bring in was those that had the breath of life, such as mammals, such as birds, such as those type of creatures that have the breath of life. So I'm sorry that uh, he didn't kill all the spiders. It wasn't his job to take care of the spiders. It wasn't his job to get rid of all the mosquitoes and all of that the bugs were something else they could survive in those conditions after the world had recovered. So finally the rain eventually comes. Notice with me in Genesis chapter 7 and verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, in the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the foundations of the deep broken up and the windows of heaven were open. Again, we take a lot more time to explain this verse in our creation seminar, uh, so we're not going to cover it now. But notice in verse 12, and the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Um, Notice in verse 16, and they that went in into the ark went in male and female of all flesh as God had commanded him and the Lord shut him in. As you notice in chapter 7 verse 4 and chapter 7 verse 16, there were seven days before God closed the doors. So they came into the ark and God waited a full week. Why did God wait a full week to close the doors? To allow the invitation to be open for people to respond. He left it so people could still come. That is Noah came on the ark. Can you imagine the neighbors watching all the animals come in two by two? They had every opportunity to get on the ark if they wanted to. And the invitation was remained open for someone to receive it until finally there was one day where it was shut for good. And it was shut for good. Can you imagine this idea that Noah, 
Here he is building the ark and he's working on it Monday. On Tuesday he's working on it. On Wednesday he's working on it. On Thursday he's working on it. On Friday he's working on it. And on Saturday he's going and knocking doors and telling people that hey did you know that God is going to destroy the earth one day? And But you don't have to be part of the destruction. You can be saved and delivered if you trust God's promises and get up on the ark. And that for 120 years he was a preacher of righteousness. Let's imagine that there was a young man who had heard his story and he just laughed like everyone else. But one day as he's sitting outside, a strange thing happened. The clouds began to turn dark and they begin to gather together. And he goes up to mama and says, mama, what's going on? And mama says, don't worry about it. I know this hasn't happened before, but we're going to trust. And the little boy says, but mama... That Noah guy kept saying that one day water was going to come from the sky. And the sky has never done this before. Was Noah right? Was that man Noah right? And mama said, don't worry about it. We're going to be fine. We have our own faith that we're trusting in. We don't have to worry about Mr. Noah. Well, one day, as that sky turned gray, the clouds started to form over. Little drops begin to fall from the sky. And that young man says, Mama, I'm really scared now. I think that something may be happening. That Mama, something is occurring. And I think Mr. Noah may have been right. And Mama says, all right, fine. If you want to go see Mr. Noah, you go ahead and go. And so the young man begins to go across the fields. He begins to cross everywhere he could trying to get to that. The waters begin to rise up higher And higher and higher. Finally the young man gets to the boat. And he could see that Noah and his family are safely on board. He could see that the animals are there. He could also see that there's a crowd of people around it. And then there's a door. And that door is shut. And he begins to knock on the door. Mr. Noah, Mr. Noah, let me in. Let me in. But the only thing that Noah can say is too late. Too late. The door was open. There was an opportunity for people to come in and receive. There was a time where you could have got in. But now the door is shut. You know, it is a frightening thing because inside of the Bible, Noah did not shut the door. God shut the door. Inside of the text here, we see that in fact it was that God shut the door. Let's read about it as we hit, if you don't mind, excuse me, as we see Genesis chapter 7. And let's just get a good running start and read this. Genesis chapter 7 verse 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee I have seen righteousness before me in this generation. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, male and his female. And of the beast that are not clean by two, male and female. Of the fowl of the air of sevens, and the male and the female, to keep the seed alive upon the face of all the people. For yet seven days will I cause it to rain. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights, and have every living substance that I have made, will I destroy From off the face of the earth. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. And Noah was 600 years old when the flood 
of the waters were upon the earth. And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and the sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood and of the clean beast and of the beasts that were not clean of the fowls and everything that creepeth upon the earth. And they went in two by two unto Noah into the ark, male and female as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days, the waters of the flood were upon the earth. And in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the sixth, second month and 17th day of the month, the same day were the fountains of the deep broken up and the windows of heaven were open. And the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights." And in the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth and the sons of Noah and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with him into the ark. They and every beast of his kind and after the cattle of their kind and every creeping thing upon the earth after his kind and every fowl after his kind and every bird after his sort. And they went in unto Noah and the ark two by two, all flesh wherein is the breath of life. And they went in and went in male and female of all flesh as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. Notice again, Noah didn't shut the door. God shut the door. There was every opportunity for seven days as Noah came in and the animals came in. The door was open for anyone to come and for them to be delivered from the destruction that was yet to come. Of course, they stayed on the ark for a year and you could read about that in Genesis chapter number 8 and see as they waited on the air. Someone says, why did they wait a year after the 40 days and 40 nights? Well, it took a while for the water to recede. There was nothing out there, nothing but mud, and all of that they needed was inside of the ark. They just waited until it was safe to go outside. And again, you could read that for yourself. Someone will say, why did God choose to destroy the world in a flood? Well, because the flood left evidence. And there's plenty of evidence of a worldwide flood, and we're not going to get into all of that here today. But it is a reminder that God hates sin. And that one day, again, God is saying there's destruction coming for anyone who is sin. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. And that there's a time that Jesus Christ is coming back. And when Jesus Christ comes back, it's now too late. Notice again, as Jesus makes mention of this in the book of Matthew chapter 24. And we'll finish it up here. Matthew 24. And let's see as Jesus brings up this historical event. And notice what Jesus has to say in Matthew 24. Notice with me in verse number 37. Matthew 24 and in verse number 37. Jesus makes mention of this. He speaks about this historical event. And notice how he applies this. Matthew 24 verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall the... Also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now what were the days of Noah like? The days of Noah were wicked. The days of Noah were days of impurity. The days of Noah were places, uh, a place of wicked imagination. The days of Noah were of one of violence. The days of Noah were flesh was corrupting the entire world. As the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they, the people that perished, were eating and drinking, 
marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now Jesus paints the same picture that I just gave a little bit late earlier. That the people were saying, we don't need this. We don't need to listen to Noah. Until it was too late. And when it was too late, they could not get in the ark. And Jesus says, you know, the people are saying, oh, we don't need to listen to the message. We don't need to listen to the Bible. We can do whatever we want. We're fine as we are. But one day, Jesus Christ is coming back. And when Jesus Christ comes back, just like it was in the days of Noah, it's going to be too late. Now is the accepted time. Now is the acceptable time to receive Christ as your Savior. Now is the time to determine that I'm going to live for the Lord. Now is the time to make a decision to follow after God. Because if you wait, it could be just like this. Too late. Too late. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.